Welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Morrigan. And once again, I am taking you on a journey into the exploration of the question, why horror? Where each week, myself and a different guest unpack this question. So before we jump into our discussion, I am joined by Richard Waters, who's a film director and horror fan. And I can also see an extensive physical media collection behind him right now as we're recording. And I'm very much just in awe because I'm only restarting a physical media collection. So I'm like just trying to focus on talking. <laughs> but before the terrible we... thing is, though, this is all that's all two layers deep as well. <laughs> oh, that's uh, be still my beating heart. <laughs> um, but before we start into our discussion, if you can just kind of say a little bit about yourself kind of what it is that you kind of do and your kind of connection to horror so i'm a uh well i guess writer director editor um i made a feature film a fan footage feature film a couple of years ago called in a stranger's house um Mm -hmm. because of that i was that led on to making another one uh called bring out the fear which uh, we premiered a fight fest in 2021, oh, wow. which is mad to believe it's been so long ago now in a way because because of COVID, everything just mm. kind of uh, got weird. Um, <laughs> but so that was because of all that, it's been a slow kind of truck on. So at the moment, mm. the film is still doing festivals and um, it's due for release uh, soon or maybe it has been released. I don't know. It's a, <laughs> again, it's a weird, weird world for that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, so I'm an indie horror filmmaker. Love horror. That's kind of my <laughs> my big shtick. Um and come October, we will be back on the road again, uh, making another feature film with uh, someone that we made a a rom com back with, in the day with. Brilliant, amazing, and um, but that sounds so cool. And also, I'm just like a film that premiere, like a show at Fright Fest. That is amazing. That mostly just like every horror filmmaker's almost like dream these days. <laughs> oh my god! I tell you, like uh, it was Ian from Fright Fest who called me to tell me, and. I don't he had like earbuds or like you know airpods in when he was doing it he was walking around london streets and he sort of called up and it's like retro i couldn't understand a word he was saying so um then eventually goes like did you hear what i said it's like uh yes no i didn't oh oh you're in fright fest like, oh. so wow. that was kind of sad <laughs> That's really cool. And um, before we hit recording as well, you mentioned that there is, it's going to be screening at a local Dundiri Film Festival as well. What's the name? That's the name of that one again. So that is the Underground Cinema Film Festival, which is in the Royal Marine Hotel. Oh, cool. Um, Where the, they announced that we are the opening film. So that's on the 16th, I'm going to say. And very cheekily click over and make sure. Yes, the 16th of September is when that is. Um. So it, yeah, it's absolutely mad. Like we had, uh, we made another uh, kind of David Lynch in Ireland kind of feature film a few years ago that uh, screened at the festival. So it's really nice to be able to go back with a new film. And cool. um, Dave, the organizer of the festival, said that he just really enjoyed it. So I'm delighted that he's, you know, that he's taking it to, you know, show it to people. I mean, like, listen, that's that's our main thing is that you know we make these films for people to watch and enjoy. You know, we're 
I, you can look at our films and you can see the budgets aren't exactly, you know, exorbitant or anything like that. So, uh, you know, we're not making much money off them. So the main thing is we're making them for people to watch and hopefully enjoy. Amazing. But also as well, I think horror is the one genre where it's like to most horror fans, whether there's like a big budget or small budget seems to almost be like a secondary consideration because like I think at least as someone who enjo- loves watching horror from small indie films to the big studio tent poles it's the passion of the filmmakers is what you're looking for and I think a lot of the times the smaller budget ones is where that stands out more so yeah that's really cool um and yeah I'm excited about that and that sounds really interesting. I'll have to check out the festival. I didn't even know it was a thing, so I'll have to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's well worth checking out because I know I know some of the other films that are in. There's a short that's a good horror one that's coming out. I'm not I'm not going to say any of the names just in case, but mm-hmm. um, I do know as well. Um, I think on the same night we screen, there's another horror film from America screening. So that oh, should be exciting. Cool, yeah. interesting. Yeah, like, I mean, I just I'm the same. Like I absolutely love independent horror films. Like I. Even if I wasn't making them, I'd like to think I'd still be enjoying them because mm. I just I'm so much more drawn to them. Like, uh, and I love my kind of real dirty, down and dirty fan footage, cheap uh, fan footage films. But even things like you know, they look like people or the ben, uh, Benson and Moorhead films and stuff mm. like that. It's just like, oh, yeah, when you, can, when, you, when you can just see like filmmakers that love the genre is just like you can it breathes from the films um but i think that will just be the perfect point to kind of kick off with the first kind of list of questions that i like to ask each guest because this is always the one i start with because i love hearing everyone's different answers because everyone has their own answer and so i want to know for yourself what's the first horror film that you remember watching and then slightly related because sometimes the answers are different what's the first horror film that made you a fan of horror that made you go oh i like this stuff (laughs) Yeah, like I, say, I always find it hard to kind of pinpoint. I'm the youngest child in my family, so mm. um, and I think, like, God, it's terrible. I can't remember how much older my brother and sister are. Probably like three and five, or yeah. four, and I don't know something like that. A couple of years older, so like they would have wanted to watch these things that I kind of, you know, by osmosis, ended up watching with them. But mm. um, I mean, I remember there was a point where my sister would watch Aliens like every day. And I was just so like enamored by it. It's like, oh my god, what is this? I mean, obviously that's a more uh, actiony one of them all. Mm. But then I remember going back and like eventually seeing Alien on TV on Channel Four back when we had a kind of crappy signal, so it was all like staticky and black and white and stuff like that, which probably added to it. I love, I love a good, kind of crappy grindhouse vibe. Again. But um, yeah. But even before then, like um, I always remember we had uh, recorded off the TV. We always had a copy of like Batman and Batman Returns and mm. Terminator Two, and they just like. They're, they all just really drew me in, Sammy. <laughs> um, but well, so like Terminator Two in particular has those scenes like where she walks up and grabs the mm. you know, fence and everyone's blown away and stuff like that. Um, and like obviously Tim Burton, you know, I mean, like he, like you know, I guess he that was formative for so many of us. Um, mm. I think that's probably some of the stuff that really got me into it. Um, but then things like you know. Like I said, led on to Alien, so I was always, always, and still am, absolutely blown away and fascinated by those films. Um, but then I started seeing things like Gremlins and Poltergeist, and they were kind of huge ones for me. Mm. Like I mean, Poltergeist scared the absolute out of me. Like I, I, and it's that thing I realized I was watching it and it was terrifying me and it was giving me nightmares and stuff like that. But I just wanted to keep watching these films, you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I know now, like I can see that I have a big fondness of things that are, I guess, tactile and stuff like that. 
But then there's just these little things that really get under your skin, like, um, and it's not necessarily, they're not in horror films necessarily, but um, there's, say, Superman 3 has this one scene that really always stuck with me, where, and I mean, I remember back when I used to have a blog that I put it up, and it seemed to always get a lot of traction. So obviously, I'm not the only one who started it, <laughs> but uh, this woman is like pushed back into some sort of supercomputer, and it just starts um, jamming metal onto her until she becomes like a robot from it. Mm. And it's, I mean, it's really, you know, it's, it's cheap and poorly done and stuff, but it's just <laughs> terrifying. The idea of like, she was just a person a moment ago, and now she's some, you know, killer machine who doesn't have any say or any, you know, autonomy over what she's doing, and it's just terrifying. Or even like, look who's talking to there's like a scene where the kids are like learning how to uh you know potty train or use a toilet mm. and you know the kid is like voiced by bruce willis like you know toddler <laughs> he's there like oh there's nothing to be scared of here and then the toilet like in Mel- like with mel brooks voice starts going hey you little bishop uh, so i'm gonna bite your peepee um, yeah, i mean like i don't know what those things just really sort of stuck with me they really kind of freaked me out or even Ernest Scared Stupid, which I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be a horror film in that Ernest camp. Mm. But like, I mean, Ernest films aren't necessarily known for being, you know, creepy or getting under people's skin. But as a child, I guess the idea of like, you know, these kids are all turned into like, was it like little wooden statuettes or something like that? That kind of thing just again sticks with you and really gets under your skin. So I had this like weird cross section of really over over empathizing with the like things that maybe weren't hugely horror esque or meant to be so creepy, mm. and then like you know just being fascinated by some of these ones that were a bit more intended to be horror-esque. But no, I guess coming I, out of like, you know, the tail end of the Spielberg side of the, you know, the 80s, really. No, I love that. And I, like, that really kind of, it almost, I think, like, answers one of the other questions I have, which is the one that I always like to ask different people. But, like, I think I'm very much the same in that, like, I think I very much fall under the Mike Munzer evolution of horror camp in that it's just, like, everything is a horror like I'll find a way to kind of like classify everything as a horror even if somebody like no that's not a horror movie and I'm just like for five seconds that one set piece that makes it a horror movie but and um, I think that kind of answers this question but I usually always ask like you know when someone is a horror fan and they watch horror do they have like kind of clear lines in the sand this side is horror this side isn't or is it more fluid and flux from what you've said there I'd say given that you kind of can empathize or see almost horror sequences in non-horror films, I'd say it is more fluid and flux for you. Yeah, I think it, maybe it's like down to the person in a lot of ways in terms of the amount of empathy you might have for things, you know? Mm. I mean, I always find, like, I'd watch some things. Like, if you ever watch, you ever watch, like, rom-com things? And, you know, there's always that kind of character, slightly asshole character who, you know, they always get their comeuppance. But then if you ever, like, look at their side of things, a lot of time it's like, I mean, were they really that bad? Did they deserve all that? Um, and I feel like that's probably why you know, like for a lot of these horror things that aren't really that terrifying, and like maybe they're intended for a younger audience or whatever, mm. just really kind of go like, "Hey, hold on a second, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, no, one hundred percent." And I think actually that like really is like a perfect kind of you know example of the fact that, and it's actually I was listening to the Evolution of Horror podcast and to their Fright Fest coverage for this year. And it was, they were discussing, I think the new film that's coming out from Danny Elfman's daughter, Next Exit, like which Mm. apparently everyone just had an intensely emotional Emotional. tears reaction to. (laughs) Um, But it was Louise Blaine was specifically saying that, you know, 
everyone has this like idea that horror fans just like seeing bloods and go- you know blood gu- guts gore you know people being mutilated like you know that were just these like weird emotionless creatures but often and most of the time the majority of horror fans are like intensely empathetic mm-hmm. like and i think you know just when you're saying that like even in non horror films quote unquote that you can see something that is horrifying or you can feel the horrific nature of something that occurs that stems from like someone who just happens to be more empathetic than i guess an average film viewer and it links and horror to fans are better we all know that so 100 you know. like 100 you know like you know line you know planting the flag definitely no one can tell us otherwise <laughs> but i think it also kind of slightly links to something that the author joe hill says and um, or for people who may not know joe hillstrom king the son of stephen king but something he often says a lot is that you know the grounding like you know kind of the steering vehicle of horror isn't to elicit fear it's to elicit empathy you know mm. and to bring about an empathetic reaction because if you care about what's happening to the characters the horrifying situation will become more horrific to you as a viewer and so stemming from that I want to know what you think about this especially as someone who is a filmmaker and a writer um but it's something that I see a lot in like kind of twitter and online spaces and as I've had these conversations for this series I've realized that it does seem to be there are people actually in the world who think like this but there is this attitude of this horror film didn't scare me ergo it wasn't a good horror film and I want to know what you think about that does a film need to be scary to be considered good or effective no god no I mean it's so subjective you know yeah I mean like what scares me isn't going to scare someone else like I mean one of my closest friends who's she's heavily involved in the horror community, like, you know, she has a huge issue with like home invasion stuff. Like that's always been the slashers have always kind of got under her skin. Mm. For me, like I'm much more supernatural. I don't find slashers particularly scary or whatever, you know, but like, you know, that just because I'm not terrified by it doesn't mean someone else isn't going to be. Um, but even then again, like, you know, how many films, you know, say, I always think the best one kind of work well by just kind of getting under your skin. I always think of like mm. The Shining. Like I remember watching that for the first time um and i wasn't particularly enamored with it the first time i watched it but then i just kind of wanted to keep watching it and i feel like now the more i watch it like i've seen it probably a couple of dozen times almost at this point and i feel like now i probably i'm more scared of it when i watch it now than i was back when i first started seeing it but yeah no like i mean i don't think a horror film has to be scary i think it just has to be able to hit nerves uh, certain nerves and i think you know again every movie is someone's favorite movie you know so uh you know if a movie doesn't scare one person that doesn't mean it's not scaring another i mean fuck like i mean i can make an argument for you know superman 3 being quite the horror movie um but like it's yeah like it's definitely it's sensitive like the person being i think you know a lot of people like from with twitter is always going to be that you have this very mm. small like space for someone to say something and you know people who have something worth saying can't say it in that short amount of time and people who don't have anything worth saying have no problem like putting it out <laughs> as many times as I can in that short amount of time. One hundred percent. Actually, just like if I'm remembering correctly, Superman three—that's directed by Richard Donner, isn't it? No, am I thinking of a different one? Because I was thinking, isn't he the guy that did the Omen? So that makes sense if it's slightly a horror esque <laughs> film. <laughs> oh my god, the Omen! You know what about the Omen? I just say like that terrified me as a kid as well. And like, mm. like coming from a Catholic background, you know, the oh, Omen, yeah. the Exorcist, where, you know, but um. 
I always remember, like, I got, uh, I think my maybe my brother or sister had a copy of the novelization of The Omen. And, oh. like, they told me what was happening, what happened in the film, <laughs> where it's like, you know, Annie, you hanged yourself, and the guy's head is cut off. But I hadn't seen the movie, and I hadn't finished reading the book or anything. But in the middle of it, it had, like, some of the stills from it. And I right. just remember being so right. terrified by that. It's just, uh, yeah. yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> like, also, one of those films that is just iconic set pieces that even, like... And I, it, this is something that I just love about horror cinema and horror films is that some of these films, like they just like become part of the zeitgeist in such a way that people cannot have not even seen a film, but know of certain set pieces. And it, like they could tell you exactly what happens in the set piece, despite never having seen a film because mm-hmm. they just become so popular. And I think it's just something amazing about horror fans and horror cinema. Well, actually, now you say that, yeah, that's like so true in terms of like, you know, um like i don't know if you would like would have grown up watching a lot of the simpsons as well so mm. you know by the time it comes around to watching any stanley kubrick film or even um say like the way that uh or even yeah halloween as well like i was saying i had this conversation with someone the other day where halloween like and i don't know like i'd love to hear your thoughts on it but for me when i first saw that i could go like okay i mean i can see why you know people think whatever but, but at the same time i'm familiar with all these tropes i mean kind of i know every beat that's yeah. happening here and it's obviously just because it's so like saying the zeitgeist you know that it was not um you know there was nothing fresh for me you know whatever 30 or 35 years after the fact you know mm-hmm. um i mean i don't know if that was just me or if like you know i don't know what your experience was yeah it no time. it's interesting because um like actually like the first hollow like i can't remember the first time i watched like halloween like the very first time but i think it was definitely in my teens at some point but like it's weird i remember i think like the first time i like wasn't super enamored with it and not really because like because at the time i hadn't really like i've watched far more horror movies now than I had at that point so it wasn't even that like I had that much of a horror experience to have identified the tropes I think it was more that it just seemed really slow compared to what I was watching other films like pacing wise but now it stands as probably one of like my favorite horror films because of it like because of the fact that it takes its time like whereas like so many films now are like particularly within the horror genre but just movies in general, because of the fact that I think maybe it's because of social media, stuff like that, people have much shorter attention spans. So films are delivering things far quicker than they used to. So now when I rewatch Halloween, I really appreciate it for its, you know, deliberate. No, no, Michael Myers is just going to slowly come at you. Like he's just going to be there. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about like short attention spans, like. <laughs> You're talking to a guy who's made like two feature films that are both under 75 minutes, and I still get like people saying that, oh, it's so slow. Oh, gee. <laughs> um, that is... but, but you do see that though. I mean, I think yeah. like there's such an access to everything now. You know, I mean, I definitely find myself like I've got tons of films I want to watch, but they're all like maybe 100 minutes or past the mm. two, pushing past the two hour mark. You know, I mean, if I'm lying in bed and I go, if I start that, I'm probably going to fall asleep. I don't want to do that. You know, I want to see a film. I want to see a down and dirty horror film that's 90 minutes or less. And I mean, like Netflix now have that option to kind of search for shorter films, which is, you know, probably one of the smarter things you could do out there. Because, I mean, it's, it's weird for indie filmmakers. I think it's not a bad thing for uh, like, you know, sm- like smaller films or more kind of condensed films to really kind of not try and stretch out the runtime. 
100 and like or sorry go ahead you were going to say something else there i was just going to say that like you know it's you know a story can especially independence films i think tell stories better you know on a shorter side of things but like you know you can have an idea that can fill an 80 minutes uh quite well without having to be pushed to be 100 minutes or whatever just to sort of build that thought that oh it has to be this you know mm-hmm. and it was to the days of like um you know people make their films that are 80 minutes where say bring out the fear is 73 or five minutes or something like that um you know imagine that uh, it's like halloween where you like to go oh we have a tv version you have to go shoot like an extra 10 minutes of scenes for it you know i want to do that i want to go shoot my scenes with the bumbling cops <laughs> no 100 percent. i totally agree with you there um and yeah no i think that as well like whether it's like films or even like you know literature but i think like as a test almost for a writer like if you can like tell a story in a shorter amount of word count or shorter amount of pages, it's a good way of like, you know, rather than taking up more space just because you can, like as a, like as a handy test, but yeah, no, I agree. Like as in, but it is interesting because it comes down to subjective experiences. Cause like sometimes like there can be a film, which like the runtime is like two and a half hours long but it feels like it was a 90 minute movie. And then there are movies that are 80 minutes that feel like it was two hours long. So it is so interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at something like Dawn of the Dead. Like, you know, I mean, the best cut of that really is the longer, well, one of the longer ones, you know, you look at the, the Italian cut that's whatever, uh, an hour and a half long. And I mean, it's, it's nowhere near as good as the other ones. Yeah. Mm. Um, But yeah, definitely 100%. And yeah, I think that's just one of the really intensely, like and again that's what it is it's subjective experiences at the end of the day everyone kind of has subjective experiences which is where it leads to this next question which I'm always intensely interested and particularly when I have people who are involved in the making of films process because I feel find those perspectives far more engaging and not far more but just it's a different perspective and but like how do you feel about when it comes to like censorship do you think that there are lines that can't be crossed when it comes to what is being portrayed or represented or do you feel that art should be allowed to exist as art and no censorship at all like I never know where to plant my flag I'm always flip-flopping all right buckle in um (laughs) no uh so okay so I'm I'm in my early 30s and uh, like when I really got into getting like the films here behind me like um DVD was huge and stuff like that but there was a lot of films that were still kind of coming off the tail end of the video nasties which Mm. didn't really like fizzle out until the very early 2000s really when the censorship board changed in uh, Britain so a lot of these films like for me, I've got this kind of almost glorified view of things like, you know, Cannibal Holocaust or Gorilla Killer and stuff like that. Yeah. Because they were, you know, they were something you were chasing after to watch. They were taboo. They were forbidden. Mm-hmm. And the only ones that were available, even like all the Fulci films, so like, you know, the Beyond and stuff like that, were all cut to shreds. Like, there's famously was there a version of House by the Cemetery that came out that had the reel switched around on the disc or something like that. So a film that's fucking impenetrable anyway was even harder than this. <laughs> but, um, but like for me like i mean i you can guess i'm very staunchly i'm anti it because now okay there's so many levels to this because i mean i'm anti-censorship which i think most people probably are you know on the surface level of like oh no yeah you can't be sort of stopping and taking away free speech yeah yada yada um but for film wise i mean i'm kind of just staunchly anti-censorship full stop because i mean that's why there's a rating system i mean mm-hmm. you know it's not censorship to say that someone below this age shouldn't be able to watch a film you know i mean that's why there's ratings if someone's 18 
it's you know it's their call if they're going to watch a film or not. And again, I mean, most sense, most of the yeah, censorship boards have like guidelines of, you know, this is this is kind of content that will be in the film. And particularly now, people are a lot more sensitive to the idea of trigger warnings and stuff for like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're always going to have some people who are going to try and be the, um, I don't know, the edgelords for it, you know, who are going to put in a ship <laughs> that's just there just to kind of really, you know, stir the pot. Like, I mean, I don't know if, uh, I, like, trauma, I think, like, exists, has is, has like established itself well enough that it's an institution. Yeah. I don't know if someone could come in using the trauma uh, approach now without people going, like, what the fuck is this? Mm. Um, I think they'd mostly back away from it. I mean, I think that's people kind of now, they don't necessarily need to censor. They just, like, you know, they just vote with their wallet by not paying for things, by not watching things. Sure, mm-hmm. you look at it, um, what's the fucking, sorry, I'm swearing a lot. Um, no, you're one, go ahead. Um, from <laughs> was kicked off of um the mandalorian like the, fucking, the oh, yeah. film that she was doing um <laughs> like i mean look at that people aren't going to watch that because you know it's not like it's going to make a little bit of money maybe but it's not going to do proper film money because no one in their right mind is watching that going like oh yes this is the kind of entertainment i want because <laughs> it just leans into my agenda or whatever people don't watch film because oh yes this leans into my feelings like um now obviously like you know some people like you know certain like people want to be represented in certain ways and all that's different but like you know an ideology of right wing left wing like listen i mean so many films that we all like like you know might fall into a more right wing territory than people might think you know Um, yeah so yeah so to stop kind of babbling on but more like i definitely think the censorship like i just i think you know when you hit 18 you're an adult someone puts a film out you know you have the choice whether or not you want to watch it uh, if someone will say like, well, it, kids can watch it or whatever, there's availability of it. Well, I mean, that's why kids have parents, you know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. families, there's people, there's things in places where stop that. And I mean, if that's not going to do it, like, I mean, you know, I mean, censoring a thing is not really, gonna, there's always going to be a way, like, I mean, the internet exists, yeah. things, there's worse things out there. Um, You know, I mean, I think of, you know, say something like a Serbian film, which, you know, has quite a reputation, but like at the same time, you know, I mean, I watched it, and apart from that one scene, the baby scene, I thought it was actually very, very good. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just I thought that that one scene, and I didn't think that scene. I didn't like it because it was shocking. I I didn't not like it because it was shocking. I just thought that the scene with the baby just felt like, oh, so they're just kind of going there because they want to push the boat, they want to push the envelope too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily like the rest of the film. Felt like it really had a point in the message, and I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, it was just one thing that kind of. It was almost yeah. like a black mark on it in a way. Yeah, it, it was like them going like, well, well you think you've seen that? Like, How about this, you know? It's, it's, you know yeah. I mean, it's like a dead baby joke. You know, I mean, it's just there for the shock value, you know? 100%. Um, 100%. Um, but no, I really like what you're saying there. And I'm like, whenever I have this, like I have this like, debate with myself all the time, but I usually end up kind of like falling down on the line of like, you know, we shouldn't have censorship because obviously if you allow censorship in some ways it opens up a can of worms because if you allow censorship in some ways, then you end up getting to, you know, right-wing conservative states banning books or saying you're not allowed to say the word gay. That stems from censoring lives. Like Absolutely. It leads to each other. But I really like what you say about, you know, there's rating systems for a certain reason that, you know, kids, like, you know, and I think at the end of the day, like, that's what, like, you know, a good, (laughs) like, and again, I'm, this is someone who is very much child free, don't have kids of my own, have no intention of ever having kids. So but at the same time, humans are humans. So I always hate that thing of, oh, you don't have kids. You shouldn't say what, you know, how someone should parent. I'm just like, no, fuck that. Human <laughs> Children are little humans. And I think they're, like everyone should have an opinion. And what I like to say is that, you know, 
if you're a parent and like, you know, you should watch a movie and make that decision. Because I think at the end of the day, a lot of people forget that, you know, kids are their own autonomous little people. Like, you know, they're people. So they have their own bodies. Like, so consent applies to them, but they also have their own minds. So parents should, in theory, actually kind of be inquisitive about who their children are and want to, you know, so some children would be able to tackle more mature themes and mature films while others can't. Definitely. And like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like a, a friend, I'm sorry, pardon. Uh, a friend of mine, like his daughter, Um, I remember like, it, he made the film Sodium Party and I was editing his film. His daughter was there and she was probably six or seven at the time. Mm-hmm. And she saw, I had a book with me that was about Return of the Living Dead. And she saw it and was just like, as a kid, it's like, what, what is that? You know, she got yeah. very inquisitive about it. And I was trying my best to like, oh, it's nothing. It's just, you know, it's just a film. And so, like, I mean, I was trying, I was being really kind of cautious and all this yeah. kind of thing of like, you know, oh, no, but it's okay. It's not real. None of this is, it's all makeup. It's all fake, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, I know that, you know, but look, look at it. It's cool. Like, I mean, and I mean, I was like that. I was that kid, you know, I, I was into this stuff, you know, I mean, I've, I have endlessly fascinated by, you know, all the kind of creatures and all the grand, mm-hmm. all the like, Ghostbusters things and all the tactonists, but everything is, especially when you're a kid, like the world is so full of wonder and all this kind of thing. Like, now, not every kid can obviously handle that kind of stuff. And again, like, don't get me wrong. I think there's a very good reason why, you know, there's ratings in place. Um, I just don't think there's any good reason for censorship. And I think anyone, and again, like I see on social media, you know, you see it an awful lot. And maybe it's because it's a bit of a, like a small echo chamber or whatever, yeah. you know, it's people kind of go like, well, it's outrageous that this thing exists here. And like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm certainly open to people like explaining it to me, but my sort of feeling of it is that, um, you know, it's not really worth, you know, it's, if you're making an argument that these things shouldn't be there because, you know, you're personally affronted by it. I mean, mm. you know, sometimes you have to feel affronted by something, you know, I mean, look at a film like American History X about neo-Nazis, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that doesn't exist. No, what do you want to do? You want to take out the neo-Nazis, you want to take out the swastikas, you want to take out the curb stomping, you want to take out the racism and all. I mean, you're not left with a film that's having the intended effect, you know, I mean, it's. I'd see an awful lot of people confusing, you know, what you're being shown on screen by what's being on screen, what it's telling you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you, know, I, I, you know, I think maybe, like, you know, people want to censor their shit, but maybe because they're not really properly paying attention or they just want to, you know, jump on the bandwagon for things. 100%. Oh, like, I'm loving everything you're saying there. It's just like, like, light, like, I'm just like, my brain is, the gears are going. There's so much that can be jumped off with. But yes, no, I agree so much. And um, because I always feel like when it comes, like, two things that like have just stood out from what you're saying there which I'm always thinking of is one which they overlap is that it really comes down to what like what was the filmmaker's intent for something being on screen so for example like you know I'm always gonna like listen to you know what a black person's opinion is on a film that depicts slavery that was made by white people like you know in the sense that if they say that film was shit and those scenes shouldn't have existed. I'll take that lead because I don't have that experience. And also why would a white person make it? That would be my stance. So it's the filmmaker's intent. Like, is it in there just because for shock value or just because of this, or is there a specific reason for why that's in there that like has a message or motivation? And then on the flip side, I just think in general, a lot of people lack media literacy and the ability to critically engage with art like and this is one of the reasons why I've launched my podcast my brand is because I feel like philosophy is a subject 
that should be taught from the like the second people can think <laughs> because there is a lack of critical thinking skills and critical analysis skills and when people don't have that engagement with art you get those reactions of oh this filmmaker put this on screen that means they think this or that mean you know or this film existing is like a manifesto or stuff like that and it's like no not necessarily like you know sit back <laughs> think a bit definitely like I mean, like, and this it kind of it's a horrible thing because it leads into people not really giving something a chance to expand their mind with things or you mm. know broaden their horizons. Like, I mean, I specific I really remember when like you know Dawson's Creek. I'm a big Dawson's Creek fan, by the way. Yeah, um, <laughs> had like the first gay kiss on American TV, and mm. it was like you know it's so weird to think that that was such a huge deal, you know. Um, like you know, but I also remember you know I was in school and you know like you know um, certain words were almost like uh, offensive homosexual words were used in you know negative connotations yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you have to people have to grow as a society and as a person. You know, I mean, no one, uh, you know, no one has a, a past free of mistakes and all. But you know, how do you learn from these things? I mean, I think social media is great for you know getting a good handle on that stuff. Now, I think sometimes it overblows because some people maybe they pick up that oh, this thing's offensive, so this thing. You know, if I look at it this way, can be considered that way. So maybe there's an awful lot. Like, I mean, I do think there's a, probably a lot of innocent mistakes and a lot of those side of things. But mm. at the same time as well, you know, people are, I think people take the piss a lot of it because, you know, they, it's their way of being the center of a story, you know. But it, again, it kind of, it trambles the idea. It stops people being able to expand themselves. Like, it's been, I think it's been great to sort of see uh, like an expanding of like, you know, films diversifying. So not just, mm. being, you know, straight white people, you know. And like, I mean, I, I watch a film now. It's not something I watch and think about, you know, and then I'll go on Twitter and I'll see people talking about, you know, the wokeness and all this kind of shit. <laughs> and like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say like, I mean, I'm certainly I'm more, more pro that's still happening, but it's not like I don't like I'm, I'm happy I can watch a film and not. And it's, it's starting to be a case of it's not something I watch a film and go like, oh, there's no, you know, there's no people of a different orientation or there's no people of a different race in here. You know, that's no longer a concern. It's just you can watch a film. And you can have these different characters. It's nice. Yeah, 100%. And like, yeah, that's like, uh, <laughs> that actually kind of links uh, into one of the questions I did have, which is the whole thing of like, there does seem to be this odd attitude of there's no good horror movies anymore, which really does tend to come from this type of like, you know, I'm a cisgender, straight white man, and I'm no longer the focus of the story. And yeah, like I just don't see how that's a bad thing like, it's a good thing that there's more different types of stories out there really <laughs> and like i mean like as a cisgender white yeah. man i have to say like it's nice that like you know there's a variety of things out there like it's you know it's a scope beyond it's something that i haven't been watching before so i get to see these different stories in these different worlds you know uh like it's again it's just it's nice to have your like your horizons broadened that little bit and i don't know maybe it's some people who are just afraid of it or whatever I always wonder as well how much of it is people who are you know maybe young teenagers who haven't quite like you know formed or mm. had life experiences to a certain extent and you know because when you're that age you know everything is a huge issue you know I mean I, yeah. I think about it as the older and older I get the less and less I care about certain things in a way you know and maybe it's just like I always I always imagine that like if I ever have someone say something assholey to me online I always sort of stop before I reply back and kind of think you know is it worth it or is this some kid who's just like you know going to think back in 10 years and go like what the hell was I talking about yeah it's an interesting one like like I definitely think like a lot of the times some of the like intense reactions to like for example 
a perfect example plucked from the air is the new movie Prey, which I thought was absolutely phenomenal and brilliant. Mm-hmm. But again, there's been like <laughs> some people getting their like, you know, knickers in a twist kind of going, oh, how can you have a woman defeat the predator and all this type of like just reactionary bullshit reactions. But like to me, it like, I don't know, like I never know if it's like, as you said, just a young teenager online who hasn't formed life experiences or if it's someone who's like very much like is in their like middle age and they're just set in their ways and blinkers on like I think it's always one or the other and I never know which but either way I'm just like god like your life must be so sad if you have this type of reaction (laughs) I I think we're, we're in a kind of horrible terrifying place with a lot of that stuff because like I mean, another possibility is that there's people, and I mean, I know people who do this who are on for- forums that, you know, their entire task is they kind of basically get together to troll. So they'll choose a film and mm. or they'll choose a topic and kind of go online and kind of push the buttons of people about these things. So that's another thing I always think sometimes is like, is this someone's genuine opinion or is it just someone pushing buttons? Or is it someone who has like, you know, their own YouTube channel that they're like basically trying to promote by just being hate-filled? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I think now we're in a weird age where like, you know, hate is a business. And mm. the horrible thing is like some plenty of people know that. Plenty of people can, like, you know, leave that at the door. But there's a lot of people who don't. They can't discern this kind of stuff. Like, um, like I do work in the media, and a big part of that has been like, you know, um, you become aware of, say, like in Ireland, it's the Broadcast Authority of Ireland. You become very aware of their rules and regulations for, like, say, for commercials and all this kind of thing. Mm. Where try to make sure the line is extremely clear because, and I mean, we thought we would have assumed when we we're doing certain shows, like, no, okay, well, it's clear. I mean, anyone who has like two brain cells would know that this is a commercial or this is like product placement. Yeah, but it's not like they go like, no, you cannot in any way assume that this person might think that this is, you know, the best thing because this person is saying that, and um, and it's a very legitimate concern. Like, you know, not everyone has that li- that literacy about things. Yeah, um, and I mean, like, you know. Uh, like we talk like it almost ties into censorship in a way because it's it's in a way it's almost like counter like counter uh blah, blah, blah. <laughs> counter but like um just going back on myself in terms of saying you know you have to be aware of these things you can't be like you know putting ads out there in a way that you know is misleading people but again actually no you know it's they're very different things i guess in a lot of ways because if you're putting an ad into something without ad, saying like you know ad 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 you know, you're kind of misleading someone, you're intentionally misleading someone, whereas a film, you know, you're hopefully putting things out there, you're putting your best foot forward to have your certain message and story out there, and if people aren't getting it, um, you know, hopefully it's just maybe someone has just missed something and hasn't picked it up, as opposed to, you know, you've been malicious. Yeah, no, 100%, and yeah, I definitely think there is, like, a very much a difference between, like, you know, an artist that's making a film or a story, and, you know, marketing and product placement, because, like, you know, they're very different experiences so yeah no I, I, I don't think you're double backing on yourself I think they're very different <laughs> different stances <laughs> I'm just fascinated by the fact that hate is a commodity it's just so oh, horrible <laughs> well it is like and especially like you see it everywhere like in the sense that you know that's you know the basically the fact that clickbait is a term because of the fact that these headlines are deliberately designed to invoke an angry reaction so someone clicks on it like uh, uh, it is so grotesque that hate is commodifiable like it's that is something that like i'll never be able to kind of i'm just like really like oh yeah like you know humans really are shit <laughs> like it's just one of the <laughs> one of those like oh we don't really have much hope and um, but then i watch horror films and sometimes i get oh yeah actually no we we can be <laughs> um, 
But I like what you said that about, you know, when it comes to, you know, watching a film that, like, you know, you said the, the filmmaker hopes to put their best foot forward and they have their intent. But sometimes that message or intent might not get picked up, like as a kind of like a kind of closing off question, like, um, I want to know what you think about that. Do you think that the concept, like the academic kind of concept of the death of the author can apply to films? Like in the sense that, as you said, filmmaker has an intent, has their intent. But once the film is out there, does their intent, like, is their intent more important than the viewer's reaction? Like, or do they exist in tandem? What do you think? Yeah, that's such a, yeah, it's such a strange one because I mean, I guess they probably exist in some sort of weird tandem because, you know, I mean, you look at you look at certain films, and I I always think, uh, say something like Fight Club is always yeah. that prime example of a film that has a very definitive message to it, but at the same time, a huge proportion of people somehow just seem to miss the like the message of the film or possibly intentionally co-opted it. Mm. And the same for the Matrix as well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the, and the fact that you have the filmmakers come out and say very clearly, like, <laughs> no, you are very wrong. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, a film is always going to be whatever a person watches wants from it, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I, I guess it depends on how much, you know, that matters to you. So say like, you know, the films of someone like Roman Polanski, who, you know, with his history and stuff like that, um, you know, as become like, you know, more and more recently, you know, it's harder and harder to watch his things. Um, like, I'm not going to say like, you know, back, particularly when I was around college age, I didn't have, you know, I, I certainly watched them and didn't have as much of a thought about it. But now I'm, I feel a lot more aware about these things in the world, you know, about, um, you know, people taking advantage of power and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, I find it harder to watch a lot of these films or even like say, you know, at, because by that time of year, he's come back up in the news cycle of Victor Salva and yeah. uh, <laughs> Creepers. Um, because I remember, and it's so funny, I remember specifically watching the first one of that and not a single word about any of that stuff. Uh, I remember watching the second one, and I think the second one's a very good movie and all, but again, knew nothing about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I went up, I decided to read up about it, and I read up about him, and I read about these things. It's like, oh, holy shit, that's, you know, that's quite horrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and the fact that, like, you know, yeah, he used that position of parents for that and has made films that, you know, have kids in them, essentially, well, younger people in the sense and all that's still very touchy to me. Um, well, yeah, in terms of death of the author and all that kind of thing, yeah, I, I think that people are always going to be most likely to put their own interpretation on something, whether or not that's what the filmmaker intends. My feeling for it personally is, you know, you make a film and you hopefully have an idea, uh, like what your themes and all that are. Mm-hmm. Say for Bring Out the Fear, I have a very clear idea of what it's about, what its yeah. theme is, what uh, things mean, and you know, um, in terms of like you know, story and the politics and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and like, it seems like it's kind of clicked the right way with most people who watch it. But every now and again, you get someone who you know will kind of take a different reading to it, and you know that's absolutely fine. Like if someone takes. Well, I mean, you, normally it's fine. You know, you want people to take a reading that, you know, at least ties into it. But sometimes if you have someone who's going to turn around and go like, yeah, it's all about like, you know, burning the Jews or something like that. Like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's go back a little here. Um, like, yeah. You know, for, for the artist, you know, it's it's kind of shit that, you know, when you put a film out there, you have no control over it, really. Yeah. Um, you know, people are going to see what they want in it. They're going to like or not like what they want in it. And, you know, you're going to have to hope that when you made it, you didn't... Uh, accidentally put in something horrendous in there but I mean most artists you know you have to be like you know aware enough of yourself not to put in something that's going to be able to be picked up in a horrible way that like you know might uh, people might find it horribly offensive or you know repugnant you know against yourself Um, 100% and 
that's it. like I mean, if you know, if a general consensus can find something horrible and repugnant, that's one thing, you know. I mean, one person out of you know a couple of thousand is one thing, but like if you know the majority of the thousand are finding you the know, same, the same issue something or something, something. maybe yeah. there's something wrong with you. Maybe you need to go back and look at yourself. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking that because I would think like I would hope anyway <laughs> in general, like if something were put in, like yeah, like I yeah, I don't I think a lot of times oh I don't know if something's like genuinely horrible. I don't know if that was put in accidentally, but yeah, it's like, again, you, there's no black and white. It's all very nuanced, but I think as a last kind of like closing question, and I'd say there's going to be like such a tap, rich tapestry of like films for this um, question, because like you've been get, you've had so many different films that you're a fan of, but what are your specific like comfort rewatches your comfort films like if you've had a shit day shit week you just want to put something on because you know you'll have a good time with it what are those films for you god yeah that's a long list um <laughs> like like i could watch any of the alien films and i, I include the new ones and that as well like watch them day in day out if i had to uh, i did at one point watch the film disturbing behavior day in day out i literally i don't know if you know this film like katie holmes and james mars yes and yeah Weirdly enough, like huge people just before they were all famous and mm. then their stars changed. But um, I, I literally watched that like every day for like a year or two. Um, <laughs> Day of the Dead is without a doubt is one of my favorite films ever. Like it, I put that as one of my number ones. But even like it was the film, the found footage film, The Borderlands, which mm. I only caught like it was it was at Fri- I was at the, like my first Friday Fest I went to, but I didn't see it. I didn't even wasn't aware of it at all right. until Mark Kermode said something about it. So I picked it up. And oh, I am fascinated oh, by that movie. Yeah, and it's just it's mad. Like I mean, that last like I, I can't say it. I can't say it before in case it spoils stuff. But like I, the, like the last section of it definitely feels like it kind of has a, a vibe of something else <laughs> recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, God, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like you know, first three of them, I'm like I would watch day and day, like I could watch again and again. Um, oh, God. Like, but even. Uh, like I'm, I'm sure not a popular choice, but Cannibal Holocaust is one that I would watch again and again. Like you know, I mean, I had my horrible, uncomfortable time with that, you know, and uh, obviously all the animal stuff is horrendous, and like you know, may it never be repeated. But at the same time, you know, I think the film has a lot else going for it, um, and it also has the kind of um, the fact that it was one of those films that was very taboo and very hard to find. Like mm. I remember when I was really getting into horror, getting a magazine that listed all the cuts uh, on the UK version of it, and I mean it was a long list of cuts. <laughs> um, but yeah, just I, I, I'm so I love my like I love my like I'm I've no problem with gory stuff. Actually, I love independent films as well. Like yeah. um, they look like people. Um, I've watched that a good few times now because I'm just drawn into it. Um, Battery, I I quite like uh, what's the other one you ran that he did. Um. Oh my god! <laughs> after midnight, after midnight. Mm. Um, like I like like again, these are small stories. They, like they're almost like indie films, like non-horror films. But then they have these horror elements that I just yeah. love thrown in. And oh man, the list. Just yeah, goes there's on. just a, like, an yeah. extensive list. No, that's really like I love that, and I think that's one of the great things about us as horror fans is that mm. we can find something like well at least for me anyway I can find something to love in most horror films like for me to like not enjoy a horror film it's a rarity as in all like I maybe it's just I'm intensely positive or something like that but I'll find some like I'll be like oh yeah I'll find the redeeming qualities and I'll recommend it for those redeeming qualities whereas like the only film I ever 
walked out of in the cinema was the first paranormal activity because I was falling asleep. So it just didn't work for me. And but that's not like but then I'm very much also one of those fans who's like, I'll say this didn't work for me, but I'm glad it works for someone else. Like because there's nothing I loathe more than a horror fan that will actually try and actively make someone not like something they like. Yeah. Listen, I mean, a bad horror film is better than an okay other film, you know? <laughs> yes, 100%. I think that is a perfect message to kind of round off a why horror question on, because at the end of the day, that's why we watch these films, because we have this passion for it. So before I let you go, if you could just say where people can find you, support your work, and once again, just plug the upcoming film that you have. Yeah, so I am on Twitter and Instagram at at Rich M Waters M for Michael, um, and I'm like I'm fairly rubbish in terms of actually using them because I feel like I'm an old man with them sometimes. <laughs> but I'm, I am active though. Um, then the film, so Bring Out the Fear has its own Twitter, which is just at Bring Out the Fear. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be able to find. Uh, you can find In a Stranger's House in a whole load of places. I'm not too sure where it's living these days. Normally, it shows up on Amazon Prime every now and again, but um or it's on it's definitely on plex um legit plex <laughs> not, not, not <laughs> um uh what's the other one sodium party is on prime i think the o'brien's which is the rom-com which is probably not quite the audience but that's <laughs> out there somewhere um bring out the fear is screening at the 13th annual underground cinema film festival which is in the royal marine hotel in the Leary on september 16th it is the opening film so that's extremely exciting um i'd say a load of us are going to be there at it because it's so close to home for it's all um it's and hopefully it'll be very easy for people to see otherwise because you know it's it's been a year of going around talking about the film and like people going like oh so when can i watch it is it on netflix or whatever it's like oh. <laughs> um but hopefully it might it might not be netflix but hopefully it'll be nice and easy to see sooner rather than later amazing well thank you so much for joining me richard i've had an absolute blast and talking horror with you has been very fun to my listeners keep your eyes and ears for future episodes in my Why Horror series.